Do any of you guys have any later in life hecky stories? Or did they all end where they were supposed to for the rest of you? No. I've given them by accident. What was the accident? She accidentally left a gummy bear on her neck or something and got excited? <laughs> Ooh, cherry. <Yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome everyone to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to green letter cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Happy Days. Happy Days went 255 episodes over 11 seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode 1, which was called All The Way, originally airing January 15, 1974. So to get things started... I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, Nick, Gordo, Ferg, and Joe. What's going on, guys? Hello. I just took a hey, shower with Richard. Hey. Hey. Henry Winkler looks so much better when he's not covered in bees, which is really important. <laughs> Joe, I have it. I swear, I'll show you later in my notes. That line I wrote in parentheses, Joe's opener, question mark? It was either that or going to be the... Good old Mr. B. But I was like, yeah, good old conversation about the gym teacher who molested you. Yeah, this show we'll, is fucking wild. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, Happy Days. I think a very iconic show. I can't imagine any of you have no familiarization with this uh, before doing this episode. Gordo? I've seen this. It was on Nick at Night, The Block. I think it was yeah. Happy Days. Go- Gordo watched Happy a lot of Happy Days with me. So I yeah. can attest he's seen this Yeah, one. I've seen I, plenty of it, too. I love the, the idea of you two just having a lot of. <laughs> the idea of Ferg and Gordo just having sleepovers in like one piece pajamas watching happy days together with popcorn. Well, Ferg needed something to do while Gordo slept for 22 hours. So <laughs> I was a growing boy. Just so happened I stopped at like five. <laughs> which one of you was Potsy? Which one of you was Ralph Melf? And were you guys necking? <laughs> no. Who had the, rather, the next day? I'd rather be Potsy because I know in another life I'm Gomer Pyle. Is he Gomer Pyle? No. no. He's not Gomer Pyle. <laughs> Why would you say that then? They're like 30 years age difference. I like that Gordo is offended. Why, Why would you say that? I'm just yeah, Golly! Happy Days is one of those shows that we, we have a rule within ourselves that we don't like to do spinoffs until we do the original source material. This unlocks a billion shows. So many shows came out of Happy Days. That's what I meant to ask. Uh, aside from... Uh, Joni loves Chachi, and Laverne and Shirley, Mark and, Mark Mindy. and Mindy. Yeah. Oh wow, I forgot about Mark and Mindy. But isn't Mark and Mindy off of Laverne and Shirley? No, no, it's not Happy Days. Mark from really? Mark shows up in a random episode of Happy Days and tries Nanu, to Nanu. Take, uh, I think he tries to take Fonzie, but Fonzie's too cool to stay frozen, and then does a thumbs up, which breaks. There's him also, out. Um, there's a show called Blanksy's Beauties. Out of the blue, they're like real soft spinoffs like in Blanksy's Beauties the main character shows up on a episode of Happy Days is Howard's cousin and I I'm sure they probably already had the show planned and did that to introduce you to the character just to you know get some of those viewers to follow we didn't get a Susie Quattro uh, spinoff TV show though we could have got a nice Pinky Tuscadero show as well that's Susie Quattro yeah oh okay but um, yeah, no. I, oh wait, is, is Susie Quattro her the cousin Leather Tuscadero? I think Susie might be her sister Leather Tuscadero. 
Is Pinky Tascadero and Leather Tascadero? Yeah, I think Leather Tascadero is Susie Quattro. This is giving me a headache. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But also, I will say, a lot of weird knowledge about Happy Days we all have. We're talking like, I'm confused our heads know by how much shit. I remember about Happy Days, which is coming by instinct. <laughs> that really is Nick at Night. That is a product of us watching these reruns on repeat when we were kids in bed. I mean, that's what yeah. it was. Not like all these kids today that can watch the YouTubes and watch whatever they want. We watched what was on and we liked it. Very Correct. true. That's why I hated Dragnet Fridays. Oh, I love yes. Dragnet. I hated Dragnet uh, Fridays because it didn't go with the alliteration of every other. Like Munster Monday, Lucy Tuesday. Lucy, I think the only, memory, the only memory I have of that show, if I'm correct, was wasn't there an episode where a guy was huffing paint? On Drag Dragnet? Of Dragnet, I'm sure. It. I'm sure it was like a wild. It's like it's like a weird memory that's stuck in my guy. head. I tell you this: the only thing I remember about Dragnet is the movie. I mean, the movie is amazing. It is amazing. I also have the record that is uh, Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks doing a rap from Dragnet, which is, <laughs> if you haven't heard it, pretty amazing. If you haven't heard it, but well, um, it's at the end of the Dragnet. If you've seen the movie, you probably heard it. But to get into Happy Days, I just think. This show, it's weird to look back, and we'll get into it as we go along, but these early seasons shot so different than, I feel like my memory isn't really of these first couple seasons, and I, you know, the classic line from us, not to get ahead, but we know the show more of, uh, like, the standard sitcom look, the three camera type style, but these first, especially like this episode here, is all, it was all uh, shot on film, and done cinematically one, one camera. So it's just such a different vibe than, you know, some of the more iconic episodes that you might remember. Yeah, it's Question. not even about the age of the show. It, it It's just visually so much different than most sitcoms because of that. You know, it's crazy. The show single-handedly invented the term jumping the shark. Yes. Oh, that yeah. True. Question for you guys. Was this always shot in color? Yes. For yeah. some reason... Really? I, I'm remembering it in black and white. Gordo, I had the same thought, and I think with just so many old shows, it's like breaking our brains. Because I, Keep I, in I mind, had a memory of the first episode being in black and white, too. Me and too. Happy Days is a show. Season. It's a show about the, the 50s, but it really debuted in the mid-70s. So there wasn't yeah. a lot of black and white television coming out at that time. I remember what I was going to say. What I think is interesting about this show, which is really smart, is the thing that Goldbergs did, which we've brought up a bunch of times, which is... It's 1950-something. The Goldbergs didn't kill Bret Hart. They kicked his head off. It's different. Uh, but it's 1950-something, right? So you never get yourself stuck in that weird thing. Where like The Goldbergs is always like, it was May 18th, 1980-something. So they can pull in any cultural reference from the 80s, and it works. Whereas this episode, I mean, they played songs from all over the 50s, right? So you never quite know where it is. And I think that's kind of a smart move to never be like, it was 1951 in Wisconsin. Like, it's just like, nope, it's the 50s and we're going to leave it at that. And everyone just like get in the zone. We're good. Yeah, because I was doing a little bit of... Uh, this this episode has like a great soundtrack. <laughs> like, but the soundtrack I'm... is amazing. Everly Brothers, there's so much good shit going on. Yeah. Just there to go are... back real quick. um, There was a Roaring Twenties episode. That was partially in black and white, so you might be remembering that, Gordo. Oh, okay. There's also that really weird episode where Weezer plays live for a while. That one. Fuck you! I had that saved for later. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it. By the way, to get into that real quick, the Buddy Holly video from Weezer came free as a demonstration of video on Windows 95. Yeah. Yep. 
So like my first like PC had Windows 95 and that's how I learned about Weezer was through the video that was already programmed on my computer. It was crazy too because at that point in computer technology to be able to play a video wasn't like super common right so like this thing right. was preloaded on the computer you didn't have to download it or futz with it in any way and it was just playing a music video it was super cool at the time yeah that was way better than when uh, apple forced me to have you two on Fuck my phone yeah. apple forever <laughs> i'm not a mean or vindictive person but like if i ever see steve jobs grave i'll kick a little dirt on it for the youtube thing i'm sorry i can't hold i can't hold the grudge past that one <laughs> one thing i wanted to uh you brought up the soundtrack because of that, there were multiple different spots, not just from this, where I just wrote, what was the budget on this show? <laughs> because the amount of money that must have been spent to film this cinematically with the amount of licensed music they used, it was like insane to me. I was thinking so that too, where like we talk about the Drew Carey show all the time, which is a show that histor like is historically known as like the show they can't put out on Blu-ray or in syndication because of all the music is such an issue. Whatever lawyer figured out the rights to the music for this and then i had a point in my head too where i was like well maybe it's because the music was so much older that the copyrights were different and then i was like oh wait it's 20 years earlier than this episode that would be like us wrangling songs from like 2003 right like if you put a hive song on something now you're paying the hives right like i don't know how they managed to do all this i was thinking about that too in the fact that so this show comes out in the middle of the 70s it's about the time period is about the middle of the 50s. If you look it up, it, it's guessing the show starts around 55-ish, but it's like Joe said, it's never said. But all the decades back then had such a look to them, like a stronger look than kind of the more, the last 20 to 30 years really have, that to do a show 20 years earlier has such a different vibe. Like in the 70s, to look at the 50s look crazy. But if we were to do a show right now about the early 2000s, yeah, there'd be some style changes, but I don't think it would be that, I don't know, I don't think it would come off the same. No, it's not It's not a drastic enough shift. I think, yeah, it's it's more about the shift in, like, the actual culture, right? Instead of just, you know, the visual aspects of it. And the 50s were just so much different than, you know, the 70s and 80s, as far as just, like, what was going on in the world. Yeah, like I mean, architecture is a little different. Like, New York looks a lot different now. But in any event, I think we should just get into the actual meat and potatoes of the episode itself. Because the show starts with the actual intro. There's no early scene. So we see a jukebox with a record that's about to play. We hear Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his Comets, which are also Bill Haley and the Comets, or Bill Haley's Comets, depending on what release and what time. They've gone by them all, but I think and his Comets was the most popular. That's the most popular, but Bill Haley's Comets makes the most sense grammatically. Oh, yeah. That's the better name. Oh, I just got that. Well, here we are. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> okay, everybody. 2023. But then, um, and then over while the record starts playing, we see like kind of in like this neon lettering from a sign. It says happy days. And following that, we get images of each actor appearing in like where the center of the record would be spinning. From there, we get a bunch of clips of like the show and then basically kind of setting up teenage life in the 50s as we kind of see all these weird little different gags, like the wig being pulled off the girl and 
I really like um I think the the image that's stuck in my brain from this show is Ralph Mouth in the car with the girl falling out of it and then Potsy laughing from the car next door. Yeah, that and the cop getting this stuff spilled on. That's what I really remembered. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah, the cop getting the Sundays. Also, like, fuck you, cops. You're taking a break from your shift to go buy ice cream Sundays. That feels not Oh, they like... don't deserve a break on their fucking shift that they work on. They're on their break gritty cop movie, and I love cop movies so much. It's always like beginning of robocop they're like oh shit they just toss their cup of coffee out of the car and get in it what are you gonna do with your glass like giant actual glass sunday if a call comes in wait every other show that that projects them is having like um just having a frosted donut which is way more masculine and cool you can throw a donut there's no glass involved you know she just had a tray maybe the ice cream wasn't for them that's true she drops it into the open window or would have broken the window like in vacation. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't mind the intro, but I felt it was way too long. It went about a minute and 40 seconds. And minute I just 40. Thought, it's pretty much the whole song. Unnecessary. You kind of have to pick, right? You either do the clips or you do all the actors' faces. You have to like do one or the other. You can't do both. It's just way too much intro. It's always weird when you see it. a show sometimes for by length. Like we see this all the time, right? We're like a show's like, you're like 25 minutes. That seems kind of long for a standard sitcom. And then when two minutes on each end is the theme song, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense, I guess. But it seems too, it's egregious. No, I always hated this version because it doesn't have the Happy Days theme song. Yes. So, which is weird because I always remember that the early versions had Rock Around the Clock. But then when you get to the end during the outro, they play the Happy Days theme. That I don't remember. I didn't think it existed yet. I did some homework on it. It was always the outro for the early seasons and here's the thing that you might not catch right away if you're not paying attention the record that plays in the jukebox says happy days with the actual people who wrote the theme song to happy days so they do that and they recorded the song but it was made to be the outro like why would you do that well there was a big renaissance of 50s rock and roll around this time right like there's a huge concert that happened i think this year 74 it was either 74 or 72 at Wembley in the UK where they got like Bill Haley and the Comets and Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis into this huge, like massive, it's the same place uh, SummerSlam 92 happened, right? So a humongous arena that was filled that with they just have live 50s rock well? and roll. What? Was Live Aid there as well? <laughs> oh, I don't know if Live Aid was there. Probably, maybe, yeah. Uh, live Aid was at Wembley, yeah. Yeah. Ferg was really tickled by my non-joke there. No, I was laughing at <laughs> Joe's late reaction and just, what? but yeah no i thought it was so funny because at first i looked at it it was and i thought maybe the intro was like a we see this before where they recut for syndication so it's like oh that's weird they're playing the original theme music but with the record player from later seasons but that wasn't the case they actually joe you might find this interesting especially pressed a record to do that with like instead of making a custom label and just putting it on an existing 45, they actually cut a record that was never put for release. They later released that song, but that was just made for the intro and they probably kept a couple copies for themselves. If you know the amount of work that goes into making the plates and pressing an actual record, that is fucking so much wasted everything. And that goes back into the, how much money do they have to do this show? Who put out this show? Like what studio? Was it like ABC, NBC? ABC released it. I don't remember the production company behind it, but it I was, thought it was maybe Lorimar Television was the syndicator later on, but I don't know. Side note: Do they ever? Um, I didn't. I don't remember noticing it. Do they say where this takes place? Wisconsin. 
Is it Wisconsin? Yeah. Okay. I knew for sure that Laverne and Shirley was, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure here. But I think yeah. bunch of Wisconsin shows, huh? You can't tell by uh, Howard's accent. Well, no. I mean, he could have been a transplant. No, not back then. You stay where you are. Ralph Malf was not going to make it in the big mean city. Okay. That guy was staying where he was. Nobody named Potsy is going to start scoring heroin on the Lower East Side of New York City in the 50s, hanging out with Burroughs. Not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, from the intro itself, we get to the first scene and we see a car pull up to a local restaurant hangout. Now, again, here's where we go into the, the budget of this show. Here it's called Arthur's, which, not to get ahead too much, but it's only Arthur's in episode one. And then after that, it's Arnold's, which I yep. think. My guess is maybe because they made Fonzie's name Arthur, so maybe they thought it was too confusing. But Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. But when you look, you see the full restaurant, and there's a big sign that says Arthur's and all this, and you're like, all right, so they just made that for the one episode, and then they had to change it? Well, I think they, they used just... a real restaurant in this Yeah, one. that was what I was thinking, yeah. But then they become Arnold, so I'd have to see a I think the Arnold's is a set, and Arthur's was just like, we're filming this episode, just shoot it in front of this 50s retro diner, you know? Oh, Arnold, played by uh, Mr. Miyagi. Also, this restaurant seemed familiar outside of this show. Does anybody know where else we might have seen this? I know there's a lot of ties because of the movie American Graffiti, but I don't know if it was used in it at all. But there's a lot of back and forth. Like, uh, Ron Howard was cast in American Graffiti because of this pilot that was made, which... Like a lot of other ones was shot and like put out there before the season was like ordered. So I don't know, maybe it was used there, but it's also very fifties Americana to like, look at that. So who knows? Is that the diner from Top Gun? Yeah, I think that's it. Probably where we saw it. Their special is goose. <laughs> and as we talked about, the scene has like quite the soundtrack here. We hear um splish splash by Bobby Darren. Does anybody, this is a weird thing, but I immediately forgot and thought about when I heard this song. You remember that movie Cop and a Half? Yeah. yeah. We were kids with Burt Reynolds. There's a scene in that where the main bad guy, where like the little kid sees him, drowns a guy and he comes out singing Splish Splash. I was taking a bath. And for some reason, when I heard that song, I was just like, oh yeah, the song from Cop and a Half. And now I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I have to watch Cop and a Half again at 37 years old. That's okay. Yeah. Burt Reynolds is always like adult. And Burt Reynolds is evergreen. It doesn't matter what movie he was in. I actually just bought a Burt Reynolds box set that comes with a giant sticker, a bumper sticker of that famous nude picture of him. I was going <laughs> to joke that it was that photo, but of course it's that photo. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey fought me a little on putting it on the car, but is acquiescing a little. We'll see what happens. When you say you fought it on you your on, car? Yeah. When you say she fought you, was it because it was already on the car when she saw it? <laughs> She's like, we don't need two on the car. Why would you do that? <laughs> So um, this is where we first meet the main character of the show, Richie Cunningham, who's parking his car in the drive-in and he walks over to Fonzie and he's in search of his friend Potsy. When he asks Fonzie if he sees him, Fonz just kind of gives him a head nod, gesturing over the direction that Potsy's at. If you guys didn't catch it, Fonzie doesn't speak at all in this episode until the final scene. Yes. Yeah. Don't say yeah, like that's like common knowledge. Like you either caught it or you didn't, but uh, everybody knows that. No, no, I caught it. It's very clear. It's not like you caught something secret. I know. This is interesting, too, because we don't get the classic Fonzie trademark leather jacket. He's wearing like a members only jacket in this episode. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's like the whole first season. He wears the white leather jacket. Is it leather? I thought it was like a cotton. No, yeah, that's definitely looked like a almost like a khaki material. Yeah, he looked like a like kind of like 
almost like mechanic style. Like you think he's someone who's working on his motorcycle a lot. Yeah, right. exactly. I wonder if they're like afraid to make him in leather to be like too much like a biker type of thing. Cause we're only like a few years after Altamont and stuff at this point, the like hell's angels panic and stuff was still pretty, pretty new. We're portraying the fifties. I think that was a big thing was like the whole greaser look is a staple thing that's portrayed in most of these shows. So I, I don't know if they were trying to get away from it too much. Fozzie, again, Fozzie, Fonzie, <laughs> Lord Fuzzywick. Waka waka. Fonzie was, um, he is the typical greaser style. You know, that's, that's what his character portrayed in the show. And he's I, on his motorcycle. He's got his slick back hair. He's got the white tight t-shirt. He looks amazing. He looks great. What a handsome yeah, he boy. Does. Yeah. Also one of the nicest men in real life. I, I literally have that. Him. I have that specific thing written down. The nicest man I've ever met in my life. You can scour the internet about Henry Winkler. You will not find a negative interaction that anybody has ever had with that guy, which is fucking crazy. Considering how like he's like monumentally famous, so he yeah. he's one of those like we'll never be able to go anywhere without being recognized, and still manages to keep a good. If you were to meet him modern day, he's basically America's grandpa. Yeah. yeah he's just such a sweet old man he's also done the great thing that's so hard for people to do to like stay relevant in really interesting projects like from arrested development into parks and rec and now into barry like yep. henry, henry winkler is always he's in stuff and he's barry. always great he's not afraid and, uh, to step outside his comfort zone i don't think well fonzie was outside of his comfort zone actually a fun fact about him is that he is terrified of motorcycles and he never rode one throughout the entire run of the show but he he jumped like 50 buses on one and a shark (laughs) and a shark no that was a jet ski on one water ski oh that was the jet ski yeah but we do know he's not afraid of bees because he has been covered (laughs) with them twice oh sorry was uh henry winkler ever like a lead in anything or was he always like a secondary character yeah like, happy days night shift he was the He's lead when lead. richie disappears for a while he's oh, the lead okay. in the movie night shift which is the first ever ron howard directed movie which is like a two-hander with um what does henry winkler mean? and uh michael keaton it's an amazing movie it's very funny what's it works in the morgue two hand yeah the morgue a two-hander is a movie with two different like sort of co-stars that are leading the movie like the blues brothers or is there a wrestling movie up. too and i can't think didn't... of the name of it gordo <laughs> i did not make that up two-hander is a real term ferg i don't i can't think of a wrestling movie he's in is he in body slam no it's literally like he's the star and he like fails at acting so he oh, becomes shit, a wrestler you're right. you are like, right i can't think of the name of it yeah he becomes a wrestler in a movie yeah well, Not looks like the boys are having a movie night one of these yeah, days. It's a late seventies kind of low budgety movie. I forget the name of it. It's like really gimmicky. I'm probably pretty racist with some of the gimmicks he picks because he like changes his gimmick all the time. Oh well, okay. It was a different time. <laughs> so, uh, in any event, Richie heads into Arthur's, which is filled with like all these teens dancing and hanging out, and he meets with Potsy, who's rushing him right over because their friend Ralph got a hickey, and that's like the big news. So they got to go and see it. So they rush over to Ralph's, and there's a couple other guys there with him. And he finally, like, exposes the hickey by dropping his turtleneck down. Now, Ralph Mouth is one of my favorite characters throughout the show, but I am very much not a fan of early Ralph Mouth. He's he plays it very different. He's just playing yeah. it as, like, a cool dude, and he's kind of the comic relief he's not goofy later either. on. Yeah. When was the last time any of you got a hickey? <laughs> <That> uh, <laughs> 
I thought this would come up. It was funny because I was thinking about it as it happened. Last time I got one, I was probably in my mid twenties, which I still think is way too late. That to be is like, that is fifteen years too. Or not yeah, 15, ten and, years uh, too late. I remember I was I was with an ex at the time, and it happened, and I was like, it was in the moment, but even then, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why? Marking territory. That's really all it is. I'm too old to hide a hickey. <laughs> it happens by accident sometimes. By accident, sure, but like a full on, I mean, I'm not going to say names here, but a very close friend of ours, there was a time where for like a month he came into school and it looked like, it looked like Henry Winkler got covered in bees <laughs> on his entire neck. And even his parents were yelling at him like, what the hell? I remember all of us being like, this is impossible. How does this happen without you stopping it? You look fucking insane. Why, why did you let this go on? Oh boy. Uh, if it's you guys- who you're talking Never mind. Never you know mind. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea. I'm racking my brain, but I know we're not going to say the person. Did any of you guys uh, have any later in life hickey stories? Or did they all end where they were supposed to for the rest of you? Yeah. I, no. no. I've given them by accident. Like, not recently, but within the last couple of years, I've been like, I've gotten yelled at, you left a mark on me. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> my bad. What was the accident? She accidentally left a gummy bear on her neck or something and got excited. <laughs> Ooh, cherry. Yeah. Ooh. Gummy Venus de Milo. Simpsons <laughs> did it. But uh, yeah, after that, Potsy tells Richard to head outside because he has something he wants to show him. He bought him a copy of I, the Jerry by Mickey Spillane, I believe his name was. Yeah. This makes no sense, by the way. So I don't know if you guys know Mickey Spillane, the author. He wrote no. all the Mike Hammer books, which are like really pretty popular um, true crime, like not true crime, but like like detect- the hard-boiled detective novels, right? And then when we were kids, they made like a million movies, like TV movies with um, Stacey Keach, who was the dad in um, Titus, playing Mike Hammer. So like our entire youth was like, oh, another two-hour movie with Mike Hammer, right, as Stacey Keach. And the books have some sort of like sexual overtones or whatever, but like this is the time when like, all the Henry Miller books had come out like Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn. These books that came out that were like revolutionarily like dirty and sexy. And that's what this joke should be. Not a joke about a detective novel that had one scene where a guy kissed a person. I just don't, this, this should have been Henry Miller. That's my rewrite here. Yeah. And the whole reason he even bought him this book was because Potsy set him up on a date with this girl named Mary Lou Milligan, who he fixed him up with. And, Potsy describes her as being as sexy as Bridget Bardot. Right. Does nobody know who Bridget Bardot is? No, I know who she is. No. Was she in Top Gun? No, she was like... She'd be a little old for Top Gun. She was like a very big, like, sexy, large-chested, blonde French woman. She was the person who sang with Serge Gainsbourg before Jane Birkin. She was a very popular person in France and then translated over into America because she was like a sex pot. And to this day, she's still pretty popular, but now she's kind of like a weird right wing kick everybody out of France who's not white and French politics person. It's like a weird story, but she's part of the whole like Serge Gainsbourg, yay, yay, pop, sexy ladies of the 60s thing. And yeah, and the, the theory behind the having the book is because this girl has a reputation, you're going to need something to fall back on. So you can read some of the excerpts from this book and then kind of look at it in a way that, you know, what's you know going on in there like you've seen and done this before 
And again, this book is also a detective novel where it's like, then he pulled his gun out. She's like, oh, I'm so wet for you. <laughs> Wait, what? And and it, I know the times are different, but just the thought of in the 50s, like, when in doubt, just start reading a book to her on a date. Like, that seems so yeah, like, weird. I thought it was going to be like a book of poetry or something. <laughs> it was not. Yeah, I, I think this choice of book was a bad choice. I say, though, Potsy is a very good friend. He friend. is. He goes above and beyond. He's trying very hard, yeah. It's like he's not trying to get himself a date. He's trying to get like Richie fucked. Like, well, no, but I don't that's know. That's a weird part of this book, be- or not of the book in the show, because Potsy does kind of say that he's gone on a date with her too. And this happens throughout the episode. But like all the guys in this time, like, seem to wife swap. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, like at the end, which we'll get to. It's like, yeah, I, it's I like, like everyone gets fuck? a turn. Yeah, everyone gets to date everybody at some point, And it's not weird. It's like you go on a date with this girl and you like her. And it's like, okay, now it's your turn. And it, I don't know. It was very strange to me. It comes up a lot. I don't know. Potsy came off to me as kind of a dick. Really? I thought he was like the ultimate bro. Like he's like, he, he seemed like a pretty decent. Yeah, guy, he, he he got him a date with like the girl he likes. And then he kept giving him advice and how, how to make it work and stuff. I like a girl. You guys drive her away. No, see, I <laughs> thought. It... Yeah, we do. It's our <laughs> fault. We we drive them away by telling her about you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we also find out that Marilu, like part of her reputation, she's even dated a sailor. Like, uh oh, a sailor came into town. You know, it got weird. Yeah, well, well they're filthy buggers. You go port to port. port. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. Also, the other thing that Potsy had to do to secure this date is tell her that Richie got held back three times because she likes seniors. That's I like an alternate universe where it's like she likes seniors, and then Richie gets cock blocked by his dad, and he's like, "Sorry, son, she <laughs> likes him old." <laughs> but even then, he wouldn't be a senior. He'd no, he says he's a, a junior, friend. so it only it was overkill. Yeah, but I mean, she's sharing his class. He still wouldn't be classified. That doesn't work out. Okay, now we're getting technical, though. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is that he's older. It's well, not attracted. Potsy older. Well, he might have lied to her, too. So I think the idea isn't that she's attracted to the thought of you graduating this year. It's the idea that you're older. Cordy, you so, can't read too much into the show that invented jumping the shark. Okay, touche. It is the show that, by proxy, gave us the big ragu. So you should read into that all you want. They also have the devil in an episode and they have aliens. <laughs> yeah, and, more, and like, a guy from Orc. <laughs> So uh, now we head back to the restaurant and we hear Hound Dog by Elvis playing just to track some of the songs going on. And they sit at a table with a couple of the other guys and they're talking about cars. And the only thing, it's a quick scene, but the one thing that I really liked is they brought up the idea of seatbelts. And Ralph's like, what seatbelts? <laughs> I know, because, you know, back then they weren't common. It took this... until, it's Ralph Nader who's the person who basically made it all happen. Joe, do you remember in your younger days writing a short story? about a man who like created uh, like the perfect seatbelt or whatever. And then the whole family dies because they get in an accident and they're trapped in by their seatbelts. No, but that sounds very much like something. I, would have I don't know written. why that stands out, but that is absolutely something I remember you wrote as a kid. And now I remember me. that too. And it wasn't related to Joe. It was a Joe. It was, well, I, remember. I remember that because that's my fear. That's why I don't wear one. Oh, well, that's not good for her. You should wear a seatbelt. Hey, I'm still alive and kicking. Don't wear seatbelts, kids. They're for squares. Oh, God. I don't like this. 
All I can think of Ferg, you being such a Freddy Krueger guy, I imagine now your your nightmare is you're in the car and Freddy's like hand like wraps around your like waist and is like clasping you into the car. His oh, tongue goes across child. Oh, did that happen in one of them? Happens in five. Is that the one with um Dream Warriors in it? That's no, three. That's three. Oh, that's three. That's my favorite one. That's the best of all the sequels. But uh, to get away from <laughs> a very, very different uh, franchise and back to Happy Days, we uh, see Mary Lou walking in and Patsy grabs Richie to bring him over to her. And before they get there, Richie says he doesn't know what to say. And Patsy explains that that's why I got you this book, you know, so you, you, know, you don't seem so inexperienced. And the theory is like, you know, you can read it, as I mentioned earlier. But he says to always laugh it off in a way to, you know, look like you know what you're saying. And he's practicing that like, ha, 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 which he said it a couple times later. It it made me (laughs) laugh every time he did it. So when they get to the actual booth where she's sitting, before they address her, they're standing in front of the booth. And Richie goes, gee, Potsy, I shouldn't be meeting a girl today. I didn't even have a chance to shave. And if you saw, like, the face that Potsy made in response, he was so, like, disgusted and embarrassed by that comment. <laughs> it was, like, it was great. I don't know if you guys caught it because it was very subtle. So kudos to the, the the actor, but I thought it was hilarious. It's one of those things, too, where, like, when you're a kid, you want to shave so badly. And then when you have to shave every day, you're like, I wish I never had to fucking shave ever again. Which is why probably most of our generation and I did for years had beards. Where it's like, I just fucking hate shaving and this is way easier. Yeah, that and to cover my fat. Four out of five of us. <laughs> yeah, it beans. makes the illusion that I uh, have a chin. My chin hasn't seen the light of day in 20 years. It takes me so long to grow facial hair that's not a mustache that, like, I just keep it. Because I don't want to have to keep regrowing it or have, like, a weird goatee. I'm not a goatee guy. I try I to keep the facial hair very quick. Yeah, Jay grows it really quick. I try to keep the George Michael stubble, so I just buzz it every, like, twice a week or whatever. But I find now if I go longer and longer without doing it, it is just so gray when it comes in that you're like, oh, even the stubble doesn't yeah. look good because George Michael didn't have gray fucking stubble. You know what I mean? It's not a great I, look. I have. T- it's not even gray. It's just white. It's like underneath yeah. here. You can see. Oh, yeah. Look at that. My mm-hmm. whole beard. Is My whole beard white. is white. And I would be OK with it if it was like evenly distributed, but it's just under here and it's super annoying. I've even it's tried like color it. treatments on it and stuff, but the color came off just ruined my shirt so, <laughs> the old, uh, <laughs> call that upside down sheffield yeah <laughs> okay i just Nick, you get the one I that does the, just a little it. bit of coloring so you look like you're old enough to do the job or young enough to do the job but old enough to have the experience for it right yes yeah salt and pepper see mm. mine just came in very recently since the pandemic as all white that makes like, sense you are the oldest member of s1e1 it's true that's I true am. So yeah, in any event, they finally sit down with Mary Lou at the at the booth. And the whole time, Potsy, again, going on, I don't know how you don't catch it. He's being like the ultimate bro because he's guiding Richie along because he's lost in this whole thing. Yeah, he's like reading he's some of the book. He's doing everything to make this like work out because he's just a deer in headlights the whole time. Yeah, he reaches in his pocket form and takes the book out. Yeah, here, read this. I don't know. I got the vibe that like he was doing it to fuck with them. No, no. <laughs> no he's like, just trying I to help his friend. He's the ultimate wingman. I can't imagine you'd be like that into getting your friend laid. Well, I guess That's it's why. no surprise to anybody that Gordo does not understand what a wingman is, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never needed a wingman. 
It also shows he doesn't get the joke. It was oh, a top gun joke. Goose, you got my sense. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> get the joke. At this point, you should see them coming, right? Even if you don't get the joke, assume it's Top Gun. That's right. why at least three times he's already going, oh, a Top Gun, randomly, just yeah. in case. <laughs> he's he's trying trying to get that. Just to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned he brings the book out. What I like is he's like, start reading. And he just opens and he goes to the front page and he's reading like the copyrights and everything. <laughs> he has no idea what to do. And we flash forward a little bit and we see him putting the book away. He must have read to her for a little bit. And her friend shows up and it's time for her to head out. And before she's going to leave, Potsy's like, Richie, don't you have something that you want to ask her? So again, Potsy going above and beyond. And he asks, uh, Richie asks her if she would like to go to a movie. She's like, oh, I can't tonight. I'm babysitting. But if you'd like, you can come over. And like, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. I know that was always a I know that was always a TV and movie thing. The idea of I'm babysitting. Do you want to come over? Yeah, we did it in so Charles weird. in Charge. Yeah, actually, that's, that's ironically, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't Charging know. Is that like George. a real life type of thing? Like I'm watching random kids, but they're upstairs. I know that was kind of used for so many shows back then. It really was a pretty uh, big trope, but I don't know. Maybe it was just like a thing of the times, like that. It was more common. It must have happened like semi regularly, like for it to be that big of a trope. Yeah, they didn't pull that out of thin air. Right. Yeah. And then would you guys feel comfortable going over to someone's house knowing that the girl you're on a date with it's just like house sitting for some strangers? That's not the issue Absolutely. I have. I would if I was the like parents of the people you hired the baby like the people who hired the babysitter and they're just inviting random kids over while you're like that's a no. Like, yeah, that's super. Because that's like, that's it's how the all these piece. shows go, though. All these shows. I know. Always, yeah. Someone comes over, they start making out on the couch or doing whatever. And it's like, at any point, the, the parents could walk in and it's like, it's not even your family. So it's weird. Yeah, that would be my only the only reason why I'd be hesitant. But like, in actuality, not my parents, not, yeah, but not my also- boss. There's it's also random kids. There's like the kids, kids is what bothers me the most. Like getting I, thrown out by some parent being like, get out of here is one thing. But like the kid walking downstairs or something, that's the issue I have. They, they're asleep. You kids hope. wake up. Adults yeah. wake up. People wake up. Joe, people have kids and have sex all the time. That's where it's the kids came day. from. Yeah, but usually not on the couch in the living room. You, you don't know that. I guess I don't know. I, that. Ho- I hope not. We. I mean, <laughs> you know, we I mean, it happens, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I would just say that, like, I would be more mad as the adult in the house than I would being the dude. No, the adult should be more mad. I'm saying, would you feel awkward, though, being the kid no, invited over in that no, situation? No, no, no. I would feel no, I'll go over. I'll go over. <laughs> you got to they're, they're young asking... kids, and they have a house to themselves. Yeah. Even though the, I guess, it's like, like nobody at this house, kid. too, yeah. Also, finding a point in any situation ever where Gordo might experience shame, it would be tough to do. So, <laughs> Man, yeah. I remember going over to somebody's house who had, like, I, I fell off their roof, like, trying to evade, like, their dad. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, <laughs> like, literally jumped in a bush, like, because 
Like I've done some some fucking some things, bro. I've jumped out a window before too. I've had the parents come home and have to jump out a window. And in that scenario, I had to run into the Nick, it was a neighbor of yours. I had to run into the golf course so I could circumvent the house and then jump the fence into another one of our friends' houses. And when I jumped off the fence, I landed in their dog's shit and ate it so far. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to walk back home with like my leg like limping and then like covered in dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But didn't get caught by the that. parents and jumped out of a window. So Gordo, you and I both experienced this uh, <laughs> movie trip together. I'm thinking of that dog made a lot of shit too. <laughs> yes, he did, and they did not clean it up. <laughs> well, in any event, <laughs> it's poop again. Picture you with your bullet belt and a hundred chains. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to paint the visual to at this point, I'm dressed like him in the fucking road warrior. So to do this is also much fucking harder. Don't think he's getting out without anyone noticing. You just hear down the street. Ching, 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 ching. Yeah, the bondage belt hitting against the fucking 7,000 bullets and studs I was covering at the time. Not the most uh, stealth move. Joe, just like, you did it again, Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, like, you know, the parents heard we're like i heard him a mile away like what do you think you joe, joe gets home and his dad throws him against the wall what's that smell but <laughs> 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 so joe did you get dookie inside of the bullets and your bullet belts i don't think they went inside the bullets luckily i don't but know i had so I many extras that on. i could have swapped out if needed <laughs> well to move along, uh, we cut to that night and Richie's home having dinner with his parents, uh, brother and sister uh, as well. And his mom notes that he hasn't touched any of his food. His sister Joni tells her, oh, he's touched it a lot. He just hasn't eaten any. And I know it was a, like a throwaway line, but I thought it was so funny for whatever reason. Pre-Chachi Joni, getting the jokes in. And I guess there was a pilot where she wasn't the original Joni, and then they had to just recut this one scene. So they filmed this whole episode with someone else's Joni, but this was like the only time she's really in it. So they had to just change the dinner scene. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, often scene. that happens. She had a much better fate than Chuck. Yeah. Well, yes. Chuck. And Chuck, RIP, Gavin O'Hurley, he died during pandemic, during COVID. Yeah. Oh, did he really? I don't yeah. know. I actually have a Gavin O'Hurley tattoo. Was he in anything oh. else? Oh, yeah, Wait, he was what? in. Yeah, so what? he's the main bad guy in Death Wish 3. Is that the tattoo or is it as Chuck? I want, no, I'd like to have him 3. in short shorts playing basketball. Yeah, his, he's a leader of a gang and they have this symbol painted on their heads. And you can't really see it, but that weird symbol. Wait, or is it? There it is. That's it's what's the painted down, of a basketball down their head. Yeah. It kind of looks like, yeah, it looks like the stitches on a football, but only two stitches and the guy got yeah. fired and couldn't finish. But <laughs> it's what was on his head. He's also in Never Say Never Again, which is the um, the like weird James Bond movie they made after the lawsuit that Sean Connery came back, and it wasn't an official James Bond movie in the eighties. He did a ton of stuff. He's got a pretty big career, and his dad is the uh, old man in uh, RoboCop. Oh. Nice. Okay. Is this and... his only episode that he appears in? Yeah. No, he's in. Isn't well, he isn't... in the first season, and then he just disappears yeah, I think one he... day? slowly fades away yeah, uh, I, I thought it was just this those... episode like he bounced the ball and never came back but maybe he no, goes upstairs typical... and never comes back at one point oh because he, he has the like, trope yeah. that he always has a basketball and yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't remember that if i only saw him once one time yeah because at one point they say he went to 
like basketball camp or something like that. But then they just like if you ever hear the parents reference the kids, they always refer to their two kids. They don't even acknowledge his existence at a certain point. Well, they yeah, kind of treat like, him like shit this whole episode, too. Like every time they bring him say dad's just like, OK, yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he's an idiot who's never going to go to college. <laughs> like, oh, man, well, I like it because. Shitty. Well, yeah, because at this point is when Chuck first speaks. He's like, oh, it looks like he has girl trouble. And Joni's like, what What makes you think you're so smart? And his dad's like, well, it wasn't his grades from last semester. <laughs> and when the mom's Howard like, the mom's trying to defend him and say, like, well, he's doing much better this year. And Howard goes, well, why shouldn't he be? He's taking the same courses again. <laughs> <laughs> like zinger after zinger. Yeah, like, well, they just do don't know, let up on the poor kid. Do you know why yeah, they wrote him off, though? No, because so like initially they wanted him to be. Well, um, obviously he was Richie's older brother, but they kind of wanted him to be like the older mentor. Um, but then they realized that Fonzie's kind of everybody's older brother and they didn't really need another version of that. So they just kind of wrote him out and let Fonzie be like the older influence yeah, that they didn't have the Judy Winslow. him like, yeah, I know it's strange, but. Imagine like an alternate universe where they got rid of Fonzie instead. <laughs> like this yeah. Chuck character is really going to be yeah. something. Chuck just rides a basketball over the shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the bear bounced the shark. <laughs> oh man, he he faked the shark. What do you call it? Tripped up the shark. Yeah. So. The parents both head out towards the kitchen and start to talk, and the mom's worried about Richie. But dad's just kind of like, you know, he's just having growing pains, and we've all had them. Even Eisenhower had them. So, I mean, I guess, again, if you're going to, like, try to peg the timeline, you can kind of go by there. So we're still in, like, that mid-50s range when he was president. They do throw in some good, like, hey, everybody, just so you know, it is the 50s. Yeah. And, like, this, this conversation yeah. is definitely one of them. I'll tell you what I didn't remember about this show, though, because... I don't remember the dad being so cool. You know what I mean? Like he he like really got on like Richie's level and, you know, he, they had conversations like later in the episode. Yeah, I feel like I have memories of him being a stricter father. Yeah, like a grumpier, yeah. like, uh, you know, like Wonder Years type dad who's just like always like angry after work. And no, it never was really pretty much like the this all the whole show from what I remember. He was maybe a little some less jokes, but. I mean, I, he was always a, a good dad like that. And um, the next scene, we cut back to Arthur's and we hear How High the Moon by Les Paul and Mary Ford. And Potsy's walking around outside and eventually it cuts to him walking into the bathroom um, inside the restaurant where Richie's getting ready for his date. And again, I think this was another example of shooting it like a movie versus shooting a TV show because that whole like extended scene of him walking around outside was just like unnecessary time. Like it didn't do anything. It was just in a really long establishing shot that was kind of unneeded and not really used in television. There's a lot of long cuts. There's that. There's a scene right at the end where it cuts and then it's, everyone looks like they're about to start dancing and you're like, it feels like Greece for a second. Like it feels like an establishing shot in Greece because it's the fifties and everyone's just dancing around a lawn. Greece too, the yeah. better Greece. Stop it. Stop it right now. Me proud action. Where does the pollen go? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so inside, Potsy's doing his best to prep Richie for this date. And he's going all over these tips and signs, things to look for. And he's recapping some things he did when he went out with her. 
And finally, he pulls out this bra and he wraps it around a radiator. And he's telling him, you know, hooks are hard to undo. And asks Richie if he's ever dealt with the bra with hooks before. And Richie's like, who you can tell has never unhooked the bra by his reaction goes, oh, no, I've only um, been with girls with buttons. And he's like, buttons? It's either snaps or hooks. Buttons! I do love how fucking angry he gets at the notion of button bra. Yeah, he's like, no, oh, I meant snaps. So so he clearly stole his mother's bra, right? I, I have ah, to. Or yeah. sister. It's, yeah. it's giant. It's a big bra. Maybe his sister is very well endowed. Now, That's can, true. now, can I ask, like, the next part where, like, they, they try and take it off, is it possible to take it off with one hand? Yeah, easily. I do it all the time. You just snap. I was going to bring this up, right? So we get into it. We, Hold on, we get into it a little bit later. So R- Richie refuses to try to unhook the bra. And he gets going. And now when you see him alone, Potsy's trying to do it. And he's having a hard time. And during this is when Fonzie happens to walk in the bathroom. And Potsy's this like mixture of confused and embarrassed all at the same time. He's Because Fonzie, the ultimate cool guy in the area, walks in while you're trying to take a bra off a radiator. And... um Fonzie heads over once alone because Potsy runs out. Then he kind of just like warms up his fingers real quick and does like a quick snap and gets it off in an instant. I was going to say, and Ferg, you've kind of already answered it. I'll be completely honest. I don't think I'm ever the one undoing the bra in the situations I'm in. It's been a very long time. I've, I've also been like married and with the same person for a million years at this point where it's like when that action's going on or whatever, like yeah it's never like let me unhook from the back under his shirt like that's like a high yeah, school like, thing yeah it's like this is just time consuming and you're setting me up to fail like i guess you, I do, you why don't you do it immediately no it's that's one of those things once you learn how to do it you just <laughs> to show off you wait a minute, oh, like that's like possible dinner <laughs> oh come back yeah um, taking someone to the texas roadhouse and he's like oh hold on let me get that for you real quick oh is that my <laughs> dating space <laughs> Uh, I know you love better. the Texas Roadhouse. I use those free peanuts in Roadhouse. Why? What's wrong with the Texas Roadhouse, Ferg? They went very much down in quality. They used They're to be delicious. I will say, last time I was there, I got a burger and it tasted like I was just eating water. Last time I went to the Texas Roadhouse, um, Nick was actually there and I was with my brother and niece and I got like the ribs. I hadn't gone there in so long and it just tasted like they just doused them in salt, like just so salty. I've, oh. They burn them now too, like too, like a lot. <laughs> it's not I what it pro was. though. The free peanut bucket. I always end up eating way too many peanuts if I yeah. ever end up there. You can't throw them on the floor anymore. You can't throw them on the you floor can't? anymore. Oh yeah, no. peanut allergies. Oh, well, no, peanut no, 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 it can't be that. If you have a peanut allergy, you can't even go in that building. Yeah, no, you <laughs> yeah. can't even watch. I can there. only assume that somebody slipped on peanuts on the ground and hurt yeah. themselves. Don't forget, like, peanuts have oil. So like, Joe was running oil. from a girl's house and slipped on peanuts and <laughs> fell and shit. <laughs> After failing to unhook her bra. Yeah, like, if you have a peanut allergy, I would say just stay as far away from that place as humanly possible. I, I don't imagine Joe's going to Long John Silver's and just going, I'm just going to get the french fries. Like, don't eat anything. Yeah. Who, who's going to Long John Silver's? I mean, let's People be honest People who don't live here. on the water like we do. We grew up with seafood, like, everywhere. But there are places where it's not as findable. It happens going to Red Lobster, honey. (laughs) We live in the Northeast, like the mecca of the greatest submarine sandwiches in the world. And you can't walk by a subway without seeing it packed full of people. 
Yeah, and I always thought that was weird. You can never be near a subway where you couldn't take a tennis ball and throw it at a small sub shop. And I never understood that. I find it weird too, um, but yeah, it's a thing. Convenience. Speaking of which, that Jared Fogel documentary came out this week. I really want to watch it. I heard oh. it was awful. I heard <laughs> well, it was just depressing. Well, of course sure it's depressing. It <laughs> I don't no, imagine no, no, it's a lighthearted it's, story. No, no, no. But I guess it's more depressing than your normal true crime documentary. Okay. Well, I believe it. Because I guess so, it's just phone calls. But we're not a true crime review no, there's show. There's a million no, no, podcasts we'll, if you're trying to do true crime. There's plenty, you'll, you'll plenty of great something. ones. But we're not oh, it just hit me who he is. We were talking about Subway. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Me being slow. But uh, to close out this scene, after Fonzie snaps the fry off, he walks up to the mirror to like check himself out, and he grabs the comb, and right before he goes to comb his hair, just kind of shrugs to kind of say, I already look great, and he puts it back in his pocket and walks away. That's and I don't know if you guys had saw this. This was like a note that Henry Winkler kind of added to the character because he felt that it was kind of played out with all those greaser characters. The combing of the hair was such an iconic move, but he didn't want to just do the same old thing. It was just kind of tied to too much stuff. So the whole bringing the comb out and just putting it back was his kind of take on that and getting away from just being as typical as all the others. It sets the character up so well, too, because you're like, he's that good. You know, he doesn't have to even touch his hair. And I guess I don't think he ever once combed his hair throughout the series after that. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Well, that's because the whole series doesn't let people touch his hair. Yeah. So then when Potsy heads back outside... He sees Richie standing there, and it, it looks like he just kind of needs some time to get himself together before he goes on this date. And he says, he's, you know, he's never dated a girl who's went out with a sailor before. <laughs> and Potsy gives him some kind of like words of encouragement, and then Richie inevitably heads off. Gordo, again, I can't believe you thought Potsy was an asshole. He's like the ultimate pro. I know, yeah. This whole time. So I, I thought thinking, he... because Potsy, he made up the story about like hooking up with her and stuff. What if through all of his failures, he's just now trying to live through Richie? Uh, yeah, that could be an element of that. Yeah. Because, it will, you know what? We'll save that for a little bit later, though. So keep it's, that it's thought shown here. after like he's talking to him about the bra. He can't undo the bra himself. So That's clearly... true, too. Yeah. So he has all these ideas and plans, and he thinks he has it all. But yeah, you're right. He couldn't do the bra either, which is kind of a good catch for him. And uh, when he walks past Ralph, Richie, that is. Um, Ralph's kind of like under the hood of his car and he sees Richie walk by and he's like, Hey, where are you headed? And Richie just goes all the way and Ralph jumps up and hits his head on the, on the hood of the car. Like it was very cartoony, but I thought it worked there. I, again, I can't stand this version of Ralph. It's very different. Very different. Who says that? And who is like, Ooh, like, like you're, you're Richie fucking Cunningham says it. All right. <laughs> he's getting his, he's getting his confidence. He's trying to like work himself up to go on the date. He plays awkward very well. Yes. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that comes up um, soon. Very shortly. So as he's walking off, it's to the song called Pretend, which is it was most popular by Nat King Cole. And I went crazy trying to figure out what rendition of the song it was. Like I, I looked up the song first. I like Shazammed it and I found out what the name of the song was. Right. So then I type in pretend Nat King Cole. And then I looked through every other rendition of the song that's like listed and I legit play, wasted so much time that I didn't have playing 15 different versions of the song, trying to match it because I couldn't figure out what version of the song was being played, and it was driving me crazy. And then I went to IMDb, where I should have went originally, and found out that the version was by Nat King Cole's brother, Ike Cole. Oh, Ike King Cole. 
Ike Prince Cole, or he's just like, not quite. Yeah. So it, it was funny because so it was Ike Cole, but then I couldn't even find a version of Ike Cole doing it on like YouTube or whatever to confirm. But I'm just going to take their word for it because every other version I checked, it wasn't the right song. But it Tough was driving the me nuts. Ike, the Ike Cole, the Frank Stallone, <laughs> the Charlie Murphy. Oh, Charlie Murphy. R.I.P. Oh, yeah, R.I.P. Oh, shit. He, I forgot he died recently. Yeah. And um, so we cut to Richie getting into this house where Mary Lou is babysitting. And as you said, he's beyond nervous and he's playing nervous very excellently, in my opinion. And I, I what I liked about this was that he was playing nervous in a way that's real, right? It's not like in, in a modern show. He's going to go in and he's going to go and he's going to be like dabbing his head with a, with a handkerchief and he's going to kick over a stack of books and, and fall down. But that's not what they did here. They played it real. Like he was Falling dog shit. nervous. Yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a way that you would have envisioned yourself being if you were in his shoes. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's a very. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a real life awkward, awkward way. Remember early dating, just like not knowing what to say, so sitting there quietly. Yeah. yeah, you're trying to like play it out in your head, even though you have no reference to go by. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, yeah. You're, so you're just assuming what you think is supposed to happen next. So um, they get to the couch, and Mary Lou recommends they talk a little bit, and she's giving him like all the signs that she's interested in him, right? Like she's pushing very close to him, and they're making body contact, and. He looks like he's going to pass out because he's so nervous at this point. You know, this dude is just like rocking a rock hard boner at this point, too. Perhaps. It's a fear boner, but it's a boner. Oh, dude, they're they're babysitting, but they're both like very dressed up for this babysitting date. Yeah. Well, he's just at work. Well, she's at work. And like, you know, they dressed up a little bit. I mean, we didn't talk about the, the clothing style, but people tended to dress up and more for casual things we yeah, are if you're going on a date too right like you dress nice for a date no matter what or nicer or somewhat yeah nice. we but, might be like, the sloppiest generation in the history of man oh for sure yeah for sure we're more we're more comfort driven than they were back then that's that's the days when you got dressed up to go on an airplane i was gonna say we're a generation that literally sells pants that are like the comfiest pants on an airplane where if you look at airplanes in any other generation it's like can i take my fedora through the check it's like okay everything yeah. has fucking changed yeah of course like, you can we have no rules yet yeah yeah hey, hold my flask <laughs> here you want to light a cigarette on this plane yeah so Reggie kind of stands up at this point because he's all kinds of nervous and he recommends that he reads from the book. And when he opens it up, he does that ha 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 thing again. <laughs> and um, as he reads, you hear the book is a bit sexual in nature. So it's not like overly graphic, but it is setting the mood. So this, I, I know Joe, you, you touched on it earlier. Um, we, weird choice, but here it's working right in, in the excerpt that he's reading from. And I guess it makes sense he, that the kids would have more access to a book like this that's like a detective novel that has yeah. a scene like this in it versus a book that's more explicit, but Yeah. It's just reading her the catcher in the rye. <laughs> so um he puts his arm around her and then he does like his best version of blowing on her ear. <laughs> and um not very well, but in any event, she kind of, she knows what he's trying to do. Like he's trying to put a move and she's just like do you want a neck? 
And he's like, uh, yeah, sure. They go to, he, he grabs a piece of gum and he shoves a piece of gum in his mouth for all of a second just to try to get, I don't know, some bit of mintiness in his mouth before he kisses her. I think it's a good move. Do they not have breath mints yet? That would have been more effective than the whole stick of gum and then spitting it out again. Oh, his they... character should have just had the banaka. <laughs> I don't know if Banaka was invented yet. Banaka is the quickest uh, at that point. Yeah. Or mouthwash. I was just going to say Banaka. What? I was going to say Banaka. I remember Jay Jay used to carry Banaka around. I did for a while. You sprayed it into my eyes once. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. I don't even, in fairness, I don't think you were trying to be a dick. You just had the nozzle sideways. You just shot it directly into my eyes. So it's like a dumb and dumber moment. Yeah. This just reminded me. I'll never forget when we were, were we in town for, we were young. We were like middle school young. We were in for like, I want to say it was like the marathon, but I don't think that was it. But they were one of the, like the carts was giving away like sunscreen. And so there was like, that was the marathon. That was the marathon. So there was like tons of little bottles, like squeeze bottles of sunscreen. (laughs) And Jay saw one on the ground and just like elephant stomped it. (laughs) But it just covered some dude in his suit behind him <laughs> with a bunch of fucking stunts. <laughs> just ran away while this guy's like, what the fuck? Whenever, now that I'm older and whenever like kids do anything that makes me mad, which happens often, I always have to remind myself what it was like to be that age and that I was yeah. so much worse. Yeah, to be a shithead. Oh, man. <laughs> That guy's dead. I just remember watching it in <laughs> slow motion. Like it couldn't have been like anybody else. Like there are a billion people in Boston for the marathon, but like the one guy who actually had to work that day <laughs> is just walking in his nice suit. He just gets fucking splattered. Oh. I like the thing that you created a super villain that day. That guy was going to a job interview. <laughs> I'll say this right. I remember it very clearly, but I don't think there was any intention to do wrong. Right? It was no. It, but you did. <laughs> but yeah. Attention or not, wrong was done. Yeah. And that guy can't even go home to change. <laughs> Probably not. Um, so they finally go to have the first kiss. And when they get in, his eyes are so like close. They're so tight that it looks like he's in pain when they're kissing. But she's the one to say, ow. And she pulls back and she's like, you kiss funny. <laughs> like, Why is your mouth so tight? And they go to kiss again, and he stops and recommends they switch sides. And um, it's just, it's very awkward and uncomfortable. And I don't know if at this point, did he, you think he kissed anybody before this? Is this is like his first kiss, you think? Got him getting first time. It seems like it. Yeah. They did a good um, job. I don't know if it was intentionally super uncomfortable during this. Like, I imagine that's what they were going for, partially at least. But. It was super uncomfortable watching them try to interact with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then they do start up a third time after he switches sides to get to his dominant side, which was one of the Potsy recommendations. And as they start to kiss, he instantly goes to try to unhook the bra from over the top of her, like Angora sweater. What the fuck (laughs) is this move? Well, she stops him instantly. She's like, what? She says, like, I'm not like that. And um, Richie says to himself, he didn't tell me what to do if she said no. <laughs> like so he's like lost right now because he wasn't expecting the roadblock on the on the bra thing. He's like, it's the fifties. No means yes. <laughs> she's 
tackles her. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, but you were twirling your hair. She's like, I like to twirl my hair. It's like, if you you don't like it, just say so. You don't have to grab my sweater. You'll stretch it. (laughs) Like, she says it in a way where her character is portrayed a little ditzy, I would say. Yeah. The way she says that. would go innocent more than ditzy. Yeah, um, maybe a little A and B. Both. The way the way she says it almost came off like she she no longer even thinks he was trying to make a move, but thinks that he was grabbing her sweater in anger about the the hair twirling. Like that's how like I read that. Like a fucking I took that too. And he apologizes and he reassures you know this sweater is made of really good material, so don't worry, it's not going to stretch. And Mary Lou recommends that they just do something else. And as soon as she says that, you can see like 50 pounds of pressure, like lift from his shoulders. And uh, he grabs like the chess set and like, how about we try chess instead? And at this point, you can tell that Mary Lou isn't like as much as she has a reputation. She's not just looking to hook up with him, right? Like she's interested in the idea of learning how to play chess and just spend time with him. And he sits her down and he says, you know, that he's going to show her the game because she said, she had never played before and he's going over all the pieces and tells her that the objective is to take his king and then she just grabs and goes i won <laughs> again i guess the innocence right there uh he's like maybe we should start from the beginning uh the, the only thing i want to note from the little chess thing is when he's going over the pieces he calls one of them the castle he calls the rook the castle the rook the castle and that pissed me off yeah that bothered me when i heard it and i was like i don't know if there was a, at a different time or there's people who say that but i've never known it to be called the castle and it was like i didn't was look it, it up was it like it was a 50s bothered thing me. or something yeah yeah maybe maybe then it was different but i, I don't think so hey do you guys want to a play? rook is sometimes called the castle though modern really? chess literally literature rarely if ever uses this term so it was so, at one point okay but not, not wrong but not uncommon okay it's just weird because there's another piece that looks more like a castle than the rook what the one that looks like a castle which i'm drawing a blank now so. <laughs> that's the rook i've never played chess so i can't help here really never played chess never i'm good at chess um, I was going to say that there's a, a move called castling where you move the king and switch it with the rook. Oh, Frank but... castling. Yes, Frank castling. Frank castle dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's my chess tidbit. Any of you guys want to play chess through the mail? No. Um, so <laughs> anyways, uh, the next scene we see Richie and his friends playing baseball. I, I think it's school, but I couldn't tell, like, it didn't seem like gym class or anything, but they're all playing at, I, I think the school. We played and, a lot of baseball though, outside of school. We all like meet up someplace at like a baseball yeah, park. It could have been that because like Farnsey's there and he's not in school. He dropped out. He dropped out, but hangs out in school. What's the point? I was yeah. going to say that's creepy. Like he dropped out. Is he's he not, the same age, or is I, he? He'd like I'm to under the he's impression older. he's close. He's close in age. Yeah, okay. but I'm guessing it's, older, but probably by like a year or two. It's funny. I always thought he was a lot older than them. Me too. I think Henry Winkler is. Yeah, I think in reality he is. Yeah. Like so, I mean, we can easily look up like. But I thought on the show he was supposed to be like five or six years older than them. Oh, I don't know for sure. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure though. Because they were I mean, always in school and he was working in a garage and just, you know, an adult. So I was like, yeah, as a kid, I always thought of him as like an adult, not like a peer so much, you know, like the same age group. Yeah, he's nine years older than Ron Howard. 
Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That feels right. So what is is there the same difference in the the show? Do probably not. It probably cut that down in, in half or so. But um, yeah, I mean he is older than him. In any event, while they're playing baseball, all the guys are asking Richie about last night and whether or not you know they did the deed. And Richie's in this like weird spot because he doesn't want to outwardly say nothing happened, but he also doesn't want to lie about the night either. So he's like trying to word around it the whole time. Uh, if I, so- him, I wouldn't say that they didn't hook up, but I wouldn't have told them that we played chess instead. I would have said we played <laughs> yeah, chess. Yeah, that's not the way to go. <laughs> Gordon, your joke basically ruins the punchline later, by the way. <laughs> did you watch this episode? Yes, I did. But um oh, and by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Fonzie. Tom Cruise is- rides a motorcycle, <laughs> <laughs> like the Fonz. Fonzie was supposed to be around the ages of eighteen to twenty, and Richie was sixteen. Okay, so a couple years, a few you know, years two, older, two, three years difference. Yeah. Which at that age feels like a lot. Like your friends, like we all had friends who were like twenty-ish. Yeah. You know, when we were seventeen, eighteen, they seemed like. If it's a within generation. your four-year gap, it makes sense, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, So you could, in theory, be friends with somebody who's four years older than you, which we but all even, even did, outside you know? of the school, if you remember, to, you know, when we were in high school, we had friends that were about five years older than us that we would meet up with after school, like near yeah. the school. Uh, Dave, who's been on the show, he was uh, five years older than us, is. He is still alive. <laughs> hey, Dave. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Dave, sorry. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but while this conversation's happening, and you can see Richie always, like, really trying to be careful about his word choice, Mary Lou happens to walk by and tells Richie how much he, tells Richie how much fun she had and, you know, that they should do it again real soon and then heads off. So now all the guys are basically convinced that something happened without Richie kind of having to say so. But when he goes to take his swings, Ralph's like, did you, Richie? Did you? And he just replies by saying, you kidding? So they take that all as a, as a yes. And you can even see Fonzie, who's sitting off to the side, who's kind of on his own the whole conversation, look over and just give him the thumbs up. This is, to me, the best part of the whole episode, because the Fonz is inching in like he really wants to know the whole time. And then when he finds out, he smiles and thumbs up, and it's so fucking funny. I like silent Fonzie. I, I think it's a fun, <laughs> yeah. like, the character evolves into what we got later on, and you wouldn't want the show to not have that. But this version of it in the cinematic style, like I kind of like this Silent agree, Bob yeah. version. Yeah. He's very good at conveying what he wants to. This The silence speaking. just makes when he finally talks so much better. Yeah. And um, Potsy goes up to Ralph and goes, that's my best friend. He's like so excited. Like the idea of being so excited that your friend got laid. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Maybe like, guys, did you hear Gordon got laid last night? You'd be like, okay, whatever. So, Gordo um, would be very excited. <laughs> Gordo yeah. would be happy. So now the next scene, Richie's father, Howard, uh, walks into the bathroom where Richie's taking a shower at the time. Which, by the way, the amount of steam <laughs> coming out of that bathroom in was insane. Yeah, you he even make reference it to it on his dad's face, like he was yeah. ripping yeah. at one point. As the scene progressed, there's a point where there's just water like flowing down his face. It was like so aggressive. It was, Basically, Richie was trying to boil himself in the shower. There's a scene where Tom Bosley says, like, 
why do you use so much hot water that I feel like is ad-libbed? Like it's not yeah. in the script. Like he's genuinely reacting to like, fuck, I have to act in this. And I'm so for being mad. uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, you couldn't even shoot this more than one time because he was soaked after the scene, especially been. considering there's only three walls in this bathroom. So there's plenty of yeah. ventilation and it's right. still that. Yeah. They're not in a real bathroom. Yeah. This is a set. Yeah. He's, he's only up there because he's trying to get ready to go out for the night, but he wanted to talk to Richie because uh, his mother had said that he's been moping around the house for the last few days. And Richie tells him he doesn't want to talk about it because it's sexual. But Howard assures him, like, this is the type of thing that, you know, a father and son should be able to talk about. And then he reminds him, and you're only my stepson anyways. So then <laughs> Richie comes out of the shower fully nude. That's just wrong. Oh, you guys, <laughs> I had a different version, I think. I think I, I'm sorry. I think I had the original cut. I'm sorry. Oh, so you're saying he was cut? <laughs> Yeah. Did the carpet uh, match the drapes? What happens oh, isn't that far off. He's just yeah. in a towel instead and he dries well, well, his head. Richie Richie says that the story is about his friend. And it has like it's always the friend. But um Richie gives him a very shorthanded version of the story, kind of very, you know, not many details, the you know, very small summary. And he says, My friend lied to everybody about a girl. He's like, Oh, well, it's obvious that if the lie's bothering him, that he ought to go back and tell the truth. He's like, to everybody, like even Fonzie, he's like, what's a Fonzie? I did love what's a Fonzie. <laughs> yeah. He's like, aren't there Fonzie really? He dropped out of school. Well, at least he'll, he'll be company for your brother. Yeah, like, again. Shit on Chuck again. I wonder this dude Chuck. bailed. Maybe Chuck's Chuck, not even Chuck there. Because Howard fucking killed him. Like, yeah. And uh, Howard goes on to give him some advice, basically, in so many words, telling him that, you know, if you just tell the truth, everyone involved will be better for it in the end and everyone's going to feel better. So Richie's mother, Marion, has been trying to get Howard downstairs during, like, this whole time, like, through the door and saying, like, you're, you're missing Uncle uh, Milty wearing a dress. And Howard, hurry up. He's, he's kissing the moon from Texaco. I, I'm not too familiar with Milton Burrell's show back in the day, so. Uncle Milty was the character he always played as a, a woman, and he would do that all the way up into the 80s. Was it like a variety show type of thing? Yeah, that was a show in the 50s. And then he's been in a million things, too, like Shakes the Clown, starring Bobcat Goldthwait. Jay, how's your Bobcat Goldthwait impression coming along? Not great. Uh, I, but there is a point in time where I'm going to have to figure it out. But um, as of <laughs> yes, right now, he's not finally great. starting to uh, yeah. at least accept it. Yeah. Now we get to the line Joe started the episode with, where he tells her, I'll be right there. I got to change my shirt. I just took a shower with Richard. <laughs> and I literally have her written down next to it. Joe opener. Um, I thought the same, yeah. Joe opener, if you will. Yes. Ooh. So uh, we we cut to Richie outside of the school with Mary Lou. And he's finishing up explaining what had happened and that he set everything straight with all the other guys. And um, Fonzie's going to be the next one when he sees him. And we find out that Mary Lou is about to hang out with Fonzie later today. Which, again, it's like the, the passing of... Went on a date with Potsy. Now she's going out with Richie. Now she's going out with Fonzie. I feel like they're really underselling what a hoe she is. Well, well she's not giving anything hoe. up, though. Or so she says. Here. Well, no, we she's find not. out that, like, she doesn't actually hook up with these guys here. She's she's informing them, like, she really just kisses them because she likes kissing. Yeah, everything else is a rumor that goes around. Oh, yeah. Kind of weirder. <laughs> oh, yeah. she likes to kiss. I found it but, strange the way they did, did all this, though, because any other sitcom, like like for, for this, they just cut to him telling the story and then like everything was fixed. Any other sitcom, she would have found out he was bragging about hooking up with her and then gotten mad at him and confronted yeah, him, right. and apologize yeah. and admit to all of yeah. them that nothing happened. Right. They did take a different route with this one, which was a little weird. 
because she says, yeah, it's funny. Like all the other boys always say I did things with them when I didn't. And you're the one telling people that you didn't do anything. He asked her, like, it doesn't bother you that all these people say this stuff about you if it's not true. And she's like, what's it matter? Like, you know, like who believes it? He's like, Potsy believes it. She says, like, what can you do? Like the gym teacher told me that built girls get talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He he tried to grab my sweater, too. This scene fucking broke me. (laughs) Because they're both just like lol and then she goes good old mr b like what the yeah. fuck <laughs> that yeah, guy like would be in jail today i know oh my god like, yeah. rightfully so. <laughs> like it wasn't a serious thing at that point in time like but the the fact that she said like the he tried to grab my sweater too like goes back to the idea of like her not equating that to bras <laughs> like just grabbing at her sweater oh get some lint off she thanks him again for what he had said and then heads off because she hears Fonzie on his way and she wants to like fix her face real quick before she goes off on this date with him. So now we have Fonzie and Richie who are alone and Richie goes to tell him the truth about what happened. And again, up until now, we haven't gotten a word out of Fonzie. And he's like, you know, the truth is we just played chess. He goes, you played with the chest? uh... (laughs) i am glad though we finally get fonzie talking that's what we get i know yeah his introductory line was really good and uh when richie clarifies he tells him how like oh this makes me mad he's like you know because what you said i set up this date with her and now i'm gonna be wasting a whole day and gas and richie's like well she kisses real good he's like i polished my bike for a kiss by the way, what was gas like 18 cents a gallon then? And you have like if two that. gallon motorcycle? Like, yeah. Right, chill, right. bro. He's well, I mean, little... he probably got paid three cents an hour. Yeah. Fon- Fonzie says, you know, I'll forgive you, but no more lying. I'll do all the lying. <laughs> That's like and a Mary weird Lou... thing into what you what like Fonzie's not like that in the future. Like Fonzie's never a liar. Fonzie's like a yeah, you can color. tell they really didn't know what he should be. Yeah, the characters aren't really mapped out. Yet. I, I suspect that Fonzie was basically the Oracle, and he wasn't planned on being a main character, just what he is in this episode. And people love the character so much, he became like the yeah one of the main characters. When you become the standout, like, yeah, all of a sudden they have to like focus more storyline on you than they probably originally planned on. Like Urkel. Just like and then that. when Mary Lou returns, he tells Fonzie how much fun they're going to have and hops on the back of the bike. And as he gets on, he's like, ain't going to be that much fun. <laughs> That's his parting <laughs> line. Drives off. Yeah. Next, we see Potsy run up to Richie in the, the final scene, telling him that he found out who gave Ralph the hickey, and then he got a date with her. And I'm like, again? Like, what is going on here? Weird. This blew my mind, too, because he says her name, which is Sue Ellen Mischke. And immediately I was like, Sue Ellen Mischke, the fortune uh the uh heir to the o henry fortune the girl who walks around in just a bra in seinfeld and then i looked it up and it was like yep that's the same character name but there's no like no one's ever confirmed that they stole it from happy days but they clearly had to because who maybe else they didn't the steal name? it maybe it's the same character maybe it's still a, <laughs> it was just it's a very random name choice yeah but like sue ellen mishke is a very specific name but for yeah. last week's episode seinfeld that like perked my ears up immediately. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, it's not Jane Doe. It, like, the odds aren't in your favor. So he asks Richie if, you know, he wants him to set up Richie again only with this girl's friend who's also a biter. <laughs> and he decides against it this time. And Richie asks him, 
can you fall in love with a girl who has a reputation? He's like, well, there's two kind of girls. Uh, those you marry and those that got a reputation. He's like, well, what about the ones that give hickeys? Well, uh, they're okay if you marry them before they get the reputation. I thought that was smart. And uh, they closed by talking about a um, like this question that was on their test. Basically, if Alaska was ever going to become a state, and they said something that was like, do you realize someday an Eskimo could become president? And at the World Series, you could throw out the first snowball? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we came painfully close to there being an Alaskan vice president. True. That is true. Actually. Oh, shit, yeah. She could see Russia from her house. Oh, yeah. It was close. I, I did look it up. Alaska officially became a state January 3rd, 1959. So, again, mid-50s is really that, like, where we're looking at for this um, this episode. Probably, like, 55, 57-ish, right around that range. It wasn't even the last one, too. Hawaii was after that. Yeah, yeah but same year. Yeah. Later that I thought year. they were both the same time. They weren't same year. Though. Same year, but later. Different. Yeah, that's okay. why the wrestling promotion in Hawaii is called Fiftieth State Wrestling. Now, oh. I, you know, I was I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but as we talk, I remember the version of the flag with forty eight states. But do they just do they know Hawaii was coming, so they didn't update it again until we had fifty? Like, let's not mass produce a bunch of these. and Have to redo it again. Yeah, because I don't think there was a forty nine state flag. Right? I don't think. I'm so. sure there was. There must have been, um, but probably just not widely circulated because they were working on insider baseball to make like, a new state we, something going on we'll we'll do the flag thing later we'll see what happens i imagine there would be one in like the white house and like the congress and like major national areas like federal government but like i can't imagine it was distributed all right throughout the country here's some trivia for you before alaska and hawaii when was the last state introduced into the union oh interesting i bet it was like 1930s yeah, I'll tell. I'll give you the year. It was actually 1912. I was gonna say like right around. I thought it'd be right around turn of the century. Uh, I'm gonna guess one of the Dakotas. We'll do closest without going over like distance wise. Which singular state was it? Yeah, was it a, one single state? Uh, there was actually two this year, but this one was the most recent since Alaska and Hawaii. Okay. I'm gonna say Montana. Okay, we got Montana. Gordo broadly selected two states. Fine, North Dakota. Okay. Can I have the year again? 1912. Don't cheat, Ferg. He's <laughs> answering the year, man. <laughs> He's using his Google glasses right now. You want to phone a phone? How about I'll go with Wisconsin? Okay. Has Ferg um, gone yet? No. no. Thinking. What are you using to do deduce, by the way? Because I don't know if there's anything you could really go. All, oh. all I could think of is it has to be something like on the exterior. Like I thought it would have That's to be something. What I'm that doing, I'm it. trying to think of the exterior states. I'm not doing any like math and shit in my head. <laughs> I'm just gonna copy Joe and say Montana. I all think right. the okay. What is you it? were all way off. It was Arizona. Oh, oh interesting. Oh, yeah. New Mexico and Arizona, January and February of 1912. That makes sense too. It, it, okay, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of like, yeah, I was thinking of the other line. I was thinking of the Canadian border. I wasn't really thinking about the Mexican border as much because I was like, I, I knew it wasn't Texas, and then I like forget that there's other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <in that laughs> California area. was. There's the thing. big ones, and then it's all kind of smattered. Yeah. The, the old American social studies system really bites us often. Yeah. Yeah. We did great in school. Um, I thought that the Dakotas maybe were one Dakota. And they split. 
It makes more sense. Or the Virginians. Right? Like, I mean, it's, the logic is there. But... They're like, damn, Dakota's too big. We need to break this <laughs> Fuck up. Fuck this dividing line. I wonder where, I mean, they've talked our entire lives about how there's a possibility like Puerto Rico could become a state. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my damnedest now to figure out where the hell they would put another star on that flag. Yeah, I think they would just probably shrink it, shrink the make, stars and add one to make it look better. I, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know how they would do it. I've actually at one point out of boredom, I like I pulled up a map once and I cut down states that I thought were too big into other states and then combined because <laughs> I we, we, we've told everyone before, like we grew up in Massachusetts. Joe's now a maniac. And like when you look at all of New England, like if we were just to combine and become one state, it would look like a normal size state next to everything else. Well, Maine and Massachusetts were at one point of one state. Yeah. Right? They were both Massachusetts at one point. Yeah. Which is but, weird um, because most of like, I don't know from like where I am, you have to go through New Hampshire. There's no like direct. Yeah. Line. There is a gap there that would be need to have yeah. been one or the other. So there's a lot of, um, you know, you can combine a couple, break a couple up and, and kind of fidget around. But in any event, um, I want to get to the final part of the episodes. Cause I, there was like the last gag of the thing was a car drives off because Potsy was like tying his shoe and put all his books on it and it drives off um, and all his books fly everywhere. And just because that was like an ongoing gag throughout the show that we didn't really touch on, but like Potsy seems to like treat every car like he owns it. He gets like the cook's car at Arnold's earlier or Arthur's. Yeah, he's, he's sitting on one that he, he, he gets into one to get through to like go to another area at a time. So yeah, I do like that move. That's like car yeah, parkour. Yeah. Carcore. Very ballsy. Carcore. Your car. Yeah. Also, people didn't lock their cars back then. Because you just walked through sure. somebody's car. I wonder if cars even had locks back then. They definitely did. Uh, Based on right? what? Yeah, I know. There's no. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have seatbelts. Security was not a. I mean, if you couldn't turn it on, you know, you just don't leave any shit in it. And then you're fine. But um, yeah, so it closes with the Happy Days theme playing, which, again, I looked it up because the theme always existed. You know, we see it in the front on the record. And again, I'm like, why didn't it's so catchy? Why if they you went through all the trouble to write it? Why was it to be the outro? I mean, Rock Around the Clock was a pretty big song. Maybe they're just trying to lean on using like a popular song as their theme song to try to like pull people in versus something new. Also help tell you the era. So real quick, uh, they didn't start like broadly enter uh putting car locks into cars until the 1940s so if somebody had a 10 year old car which is possible in yeah. the 50s then it didn't have locks yeah one of the kids earlier well, was talking about like a 33 something or yeah. 37 or whatever it was um but yeah that's the conclusion of the episode and i don't know i just the show seemed like such a departure from the following seasons that like watching this it kind of felt like you were watching the movie that the show was based on you know, like the show that yeah. we know, like the later seasons, it, it like it felt like same but different so much that it didn't feel like the same show that I'm more familiar with. Did you talk about this Bel-Air. at the beginning of the episode? Wasn't this based off of something? This was like made and then American Graffiti came like after no, the pilot. Um, like is Happy Days based on something like a book or a movie? I don't think specifically. It was made to be part of something the same way that... um when we did uh, Are You Being Served and Mama's Family, like it was created and put on something first as a pilot. Um, even love American kind of style, I think. Yeah, yeah love, love American, American style. style. Love in the Happy Days slash Love in the Newscasters was the inspiration show for Happy Days and featured eventual cast members Ron Howard, Anson Williams, and Marion Ross. Yeah. Oh. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The the movie style was so weird to me, and I can't think of off the top of my head, even for in the seventies, shows that were shot quite this cinematically that were being you know like um, shot on film and stuff like this. Yeah, it's I can't think of anything else. And I'm sure there might have been something, but even then, it, within the comedy genre, I don't know. Yeah, it was different for sure. It gives it a good I look, also, though. It does stand out. It did, but I I think I like it being more of a typical sitcom that it became later on. It's just a little yeah. lighter. I mean, this does it feel like it's quickly. very much part of um, Wet Hot American Summer. I mean, yeah, sorry, it drags American on a graffiti. bit more this way. Yeah. But um, also one thing real quick we didn't mention that one of the main writers for this episode was Rob Reiner. I thought you were going to mention it. I had yeah, it, I, I had noticed it. Down. it yeah. I just I, saw I, there was in my notes and forgot people. to mention it. Yeah. Taking a break so, from uh, Meathead. Yeah, it was actually the only episode that he had any writing credits for with the show, but I think he did help um, with the early like creating of the show, but n- he never wrote for it again. Because yeah, I think Gary Marshall helped create it, and he was married to Penny right. Marshall. Rod Reiner Who was then for a while, went so. on to star in Laverne and Shirley. So yeah, right, I and that was hear- his step, his father in law. So it all makes sense. It all ties together. Yeah. I can't hear Rob Reiner without like thinking about him stuffing his face with uh, burgers and then having people butter him up to fit him through doors and self <laughs> <laughs> butter butter. I also oddly think of him in uh, throw him on for the train as well. <laughs> he kicks Billy Crystal out of his office, and gives him a plant. And he's like, "Be well." <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we covered this uh, pretty deep and. I don't know if there's much else to do other than the green letter cancel, uh, unless anyone else has anything to say, but I think we're good. I'm just going to talk about Ron Howard's career as a whole. I mean, he started off at Andy Griffin's show, then he was on this show forever. Now he's a friggin' amazing director. Yeah. I was trying to think without looking it up, like his massive directorial contributions. And all I could think of was Apollo 13 for some reason. What else is there? funny? The Grinch is the first thing that comes to mind with me. I was he did the Grinch. He, yeah. he directed, he directed the, Grinch. the Grinch. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't know that. And he like the night um, shift we talked about earlier. He's another one of those guys who always throws his brother in every movie that he does. And I yeah. love Saving Clint Private Howard. Ryan. Was that him? Saving Private Ryan? No, that was um that's Spielberg. Spielberg, right? Spielberg, yeah. Okay. And also, we never, I mean, never want to forget that one of the greatest things Ron Howard has contributed, along with Henry Winkler, is doing the voiceover for Arrested Development. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about right. that. Yeah. And he always put in like Andy Griffith or Happy Days references in jokes. He was doing the voiceovers for it too. So he like he kept it going. Yeah. And wasn't he the vo- voiceover in the Sandlot? No, that was Daniel Stern. Oh, that's it? right. Oh, no. Daniel Stern was voiceover for the Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Wonder Years. So was he the voice in the Sandlot? Hold on. I'm looking it up. No. Some no name. David Mickey Evans was the narrator for the Sandlot. Some no name to you, maybe in his town. Yeah, I, I just don't recognize the name. Man. It's very possible that he was someone, but maybe uh, he's the baby Ruth of voice actors. <laughs> oh, he did Apollo but, um, thirteen, and I'm on the list. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we should get along now. Um, kudos to Ron Howard. Uh, but yeah, green letter canceled, guys. Let's get into it. Nick, I'm going to start with you. This is a tough one, um, <clears throat> and I really just had to do my best to forget the rest of the show because it is a it's a it's an enjoyable series um they get into a lot of hijinks and the whole cast is like really fun but i didn't like this pilot it was a little too uh just basic and weird i like the concept of going back to the 50s that's interesting at least but 
Richie was really the only character that I was like, okay with the rest of them were weird. And I think the way it was shot kind of left me just like a little uncomfortable with like watching it and considering it a sitcom. It just, it felt wrong for some reason. I don't know what it was about it, but as far as a pilot goes, um, unfortunately I am going to cancel this one. I just, there wasn't enough there to make me, you know, run back to watch more of it. I just kind of got what I wanted out of the first episode. And, you know, that's that. And and like I said, I know it, it turns out to be a pretty spectacular show, but this pilot did not do it for me. So I am canceling. Fuck. Yeah, it's going to be a green light for me um, to go off a little what Nick said. Um, it's, it's 2023 now. You think like going back to shows like Joe's mentioned, like the Goldbergs, we watch shows that take place in the 80s. That must have been like really cool for people in the 70s to go back and watch stuff from the 50s. So to try to put myself kind of like in that 70s mindset, that must have been awesome. And like the, for, for the a pilot episode. Thought everyone acted well. I liked the relationship between Richie and and uh, Potsy. Is that real bros? Uh, good acting. Uh, brought out real like emotion. Like the the date thing was very real to me. Um, I think everything they did, they did well, despite it not being the show I love. So it's not even based on nostalgia. I I just think it was a pretty. I think it was a good pilot. So green light. Gordo. Uh, I. I'm canceling this uh, for a lot of the reasons that Nick had already mentioned. So not to beat a dead horse. Uh, the biggest thing that got me was, and I couldn't place my finger on it when I was watching it. Like a, it was a little long for what it was, or it felt long, but I think you guys hit it on the head that it's the, the film, like the way it was shot. It just didn't feel like a sitcom and it made it feel longer than it needed to be. Where if it was like a three camera sitcom, it would have went by quicker. I don't know. I know it becomes good. I watched it as a kid. I, I enjoyed it as a kid, but this pilot I didn't like. So cancel for me. Joe. I think everybody has brought up really good points in the positive and negative column for this so far. It's kind of a lucky thing when you get to go close to the end. You get to hear everybody else's thoughts on it. Uh, I agree with Nick and Ferg and their reasons for canceling. And I, I mean, Nick and Gordo, and I agree with Ferg for his reasons for uh, keeping it. And I think the thing that edges me as I was a little on the fence was how much I liked the music interplay and how much that kept me into the show, which may have been the one thing that edged me a little further towards green light. So yeah, everybody was good in it. The acting's good. The jokes are funny. Uh, the music is really good and I don't know, it, it seems timeless and the timeless shows are always good because you don't, some stuff gets real dated, man. It's hard to watch some stuff from like that we've watched from like the early two thousands and this doesn't feel that way. And I think the film and like the way it's shot is part of that. So I think that's a green light. Yeah. So um, I'm now in a tiebreaker situation and I'll be honest, I've been very conflicted with it kind of throughout the day. Um, Ultimately what I, what I'm going to do is green light it. But I was very close to going the other way because it's such a departure from the happy days I know I like. But I have to also separate it a little bit and remember that I'm just judging this episode. Do I like it? Yes. Do I think the comedy's lacking a little bit because of the way it's shot? I think you take that laugh track out of it and it has a different tone entirely. But there was enough there. I was into the characters. And even though 
I know they change. I have to look at how they are here. And, and I did find it enjoyable enough, but I didn't enjoy it the way I would enjoy a sitcom typically. And it's not like a show that I could just sit and laugh and binge. It was it just such a different tone. Um, but yeah, again, as on the fence as I am, I think I'm going to, I'm going to nudge towards the green light, which is going to give it that three out of five. So we're going to go ahead and green light happy days. So congratulations. You go on to episode two with us. Uh, for all of you guys listening, thanks again for listening to another episode. Go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to all our social medias, everywhere you can follow and listen to us. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Uh, we love all the interaction we're getting from everybody, so keep it up. Keep giving us suggestions. Uh, we like to do the shows that you want to listen to us do. It's been very awesome, so keep it up. Keep interacting, and we'll get back in touch with you. But until next week, thank you, guys. Goodbye. I think we got the best button, brah. And I know we got the worst, Mr. B. <laughs> Coach B.